sex talk was a really big part of that whole experience and that's where friends would come from that's where you got experience a lot of like your leadership development in a sense and i think having that core group of friends from college is really super helpful for life even after you're in school if you want to hear more psychology then this is the place to be here at psych mike psych mike Psych Mike, Psych Mike. What's poppin', guys? Welcome to the third episode of Psych Mike, the official podcast of the UP Psychology Society, and also your student-friendly, Filipino-friendly podcast for anything and everything psych. My name is Vince Cortez from Psych Sox Bops 22, and I'm joined today by two veterans of Psych Sox, also known as Bops. Mix Aliana Fuentes currently works as a psychologist for St. Luke's Medical Center Global City and UP Diliman PsychServe. They also work as a consultant in the Associates Care and Assistance Program of St. Luke's Medical Center Global City, a program that provides free counseling and psychotherapy to medical frontliners in the hospital. She obtained her Bachelor of Science degree in Psychology from UP Diliman and Master of Science degree in Clinical Counseling Psychology from Illinois State University, USA. She was Vice President and Academics Committee Chairperson of PsychSoc during AY 2012-2013. Our second guest, Mix Elijah Corpus, is currently managing her own firm, Elijah Corpus Consulting, where they focus on partnering with organizations towards culture transformation, building capability of individuals, teams, and leaders, and creating opportunities for empowerment towards making a positive impact on society. She obtained her psychology degree from UP Diliman and Master's in Human Resources and Labor Relations from Michigan State University. But to know our guests even better, may I kindly ask both of you, to do self-introductions as well. Hi, everyone. So I'm Aliana Fuentes. I was Bops 10. So when I heard you were Bops 22, that kind of made me count a lot of years. I currently work as a psychologist. So I was um, in psych so from 2010 to 2014. And now I'm practicing in a hospital and also in a university as a psychologist. So I see clients for therapy and also do other things like talks and research. So hi, I'm excited to be here today. Thank you for being here today. Mix Corpus, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Elisha Corpus, and I was actually in the same batch as Eliana. So I was in UB from 2010 to 2014. I'm a management consultant. I have my own firm here in the Philippines, but we have clients internationally as well. I work with different organizations on topics like culture transformation, leadership development, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Just from your brief introductions, you can already see that there are a lot of career paths that are going to psych. And for the listeners out there, UP Psychology Society is one of the organizations related to psychology in UP Diliman. Now, may I ask, because I'm not a psychology major, back in your days, but were non-psych majors allowed to join PsychSoc? Yeah, yeah. So uh, even back then, um, non-psych people were able to join PsychSoc, pero very rare. Uh, we would usually really just have psych students. I see, I see. Very, that's good. That it's always been open. The option's always been there. And I think uh, lately, dumadami lang po yung mga nagjo-join to PsychSoc na non-psych majors because of the recent, I guess not recent, because in the early 2010s, uh, mental health has already started being less stigmatized. 
But even more so now, the discussion is much more open to the point that uh, psychology is even one of the most in-demand uh, courses uh, nowadays, especially here in uh, UPD. So may I ask, what's the first thing that comes to mind when uh, you hear the word psychosoc? For me, I think um, what comes to mind is memories for some reason. I don't know. That was the first thing um, that popped in my head because there were really a lot of memories that came with a psych soc experience. And I feel like the college experience, psych experience would be very incomplete without psych soc. I don't know. I feel like it made it more colorful, more fun. There was really a lot more vibrance in a way with a college experience because of um, my experience with psych soc. Yeah. So mm-hmm. memories. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to totally agree with that. I think if you look back at college, sexhawk was a really big part of that whole experience. And that's where friends would come from. That's where you got to experience a lot of like your leadership development in a sense. And I think having that core group of friends from college is really super helpful for life even after you're in school. So yeah, memories, I think would be a really good words to describe what psych means for us. Thank you very much. And actually, that's really cool because right now, yung ginagawa natin is part of Memories of Psych-Soc. So for listeners, this is basically an initiative where we interview VOPs or veterans of psych in order to ask about their experiences and during their stay in the organization. And we'll have discussions in order to showcase how these experiences have helped Pops in their career after college. So, do I remember it right? You were from Bops Ten Book. Yep. So, what do you think is something that probably has changed in the culture since uh, Bops, the Bop batch of Bops Ten, and the current batch of uh, Pops in Psychso? I think for me, what you mentioned earlier, like honestly, men- the topic of mental health, what it was a little being introduced. I mean, it was always part of psychology, but it's not as talked about as much as it is now. Because when I look at the, so it's not mostly about the culture, but mostly about, I guess, the the activities that you do. I see that you're doing a lot more uh, related to mental health. Um, you know, advocating for that. I think back then it was just a dream for us to kind of introduce that, talk about that. So now it's easy uh, with the conversations happening with mental health. And I guess in line with my field as well, it's very fun to see how much is being done when it comes to that it, with the current um, setup with college. So yeah, it fe- feels a bit different because it's more open now. It's more of a regular thing um, that's being incorporated in the different projects and activities that PsychSoc does. So I think, yeah just to also tie in with the field that I'm in. I think there's a little bit of change and openness to that, so that's good to, to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so for me, I'm not as familiar probably because I don't really work in that university setting, like Aliana, who maybe sees more of what's happening in school. But I do have interns who have worked with me and they're from PsychSoc, so I, I can kind of hear what's been going on and what's happening. Maybe the, in terms of differences, it's usually like the events that you all do. Um, I see that you partner with a lot of organizations, especially on mental health, which is a really good thing. But maybe the more striking thing is rather than the differences, it's the similarities. When I hear about what's going on 
most of the time, parang same lang din naman with what we had before. I think the the foundations are very strong and it's those similarities that you see. That's why we, we have a pretty strong culture in PsychSoc that really carries on through the years. Oh my, that's so good to hear. Essentially, the spirit and core of PsychSoc is still there. And ultimately, that's what sustains the organization, like following through with the culture that we so love. So I'd like to ask about your fields of work, respectively, if that's okay. So if you had to describe what you do to an average listener, how would you describe it? And could you also share if you follow any specific day-to-day routine involved in your line of work? Uh, yeah, so if I were to describe what I do, maybe think about how important work is for the life of uh, a person. We There are like data that will show we spend at least like a third of our lives at work. For some people, more than half of your day is spent at work. So it's really such a big, huge part of living as a human being. And what I do is I try to make work as meaningful and a kind of environment where people can thrive. So that's pretty much like the the reason for me. That's why management consultants like me exist. And then for me specifically, that the way I do it manifests in different ways. Um, sometimes I'm in workshops, whether it's virtual or in-person. Sometimes I'm coaching specific leaders because leaders, they, they also need guidance as they practice managing people in their organization. Sometimes it's uh, pure consulting work where I analyze data, analyze different assessments and surveys to diagnose what is going on in the company. Uh, and then sometimes it's also just really sitting down and trying to be creative to think of interventions that we can implement in these organizations. No day-to-day routine, but that's what I love. Lots of different activities that I can do. Lots of different organizations also that I get to learn more about. So that's me. That's so good to hear. It sounds super vibrant. So if if you had to answer the question, uh, like, what do you think makes a good workplace? Or how do you think a manager can, what are the best things a manager or a leader can do in order to keep, to para, I guess, bring out the best in, in the people they work with and create a productive and fulfilling environment for everyone involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really for organizations, I think one of the first things you have to do is go back to the foundations. I know a lot of a lot of times these days there are so many like sexy terms out there, right? Like make sure it's a work with purpose or uh, lots of people thinking about uh, being technology driven or being a high tech company. But I think going back to the foundations, are you paying people right? Are you giving them the right conditions for work? Do you have the right processes and mechanisms to support them as they do their work? Usually, if you don't have those foundations right, it's really hard to innovate and make it the kind of workplace that you want it to be. So I I try to focus a lot on those foundations. And then also number two, I think leaders and their way of managing people how do you give feedback? 
Do you care about the well-being of your employees? Do you try to get them to think about what is your purpose? What impact do you want to make? And do you kind of help them see how they can make that impact happen using the company as a platform? So I think if all of those aspects come together, that's something that can help you to create uh, an organization where people can thrive and they'll feel safe enough to be themselves, safe enough to go to work and try to do their best work with your company. Thank you so much. And really, that's such insightful, such an insightful message that before we hope to expand and like improve on other areas, we need to ensure that the basics are all met. We need to make sure that the foundations are all really, really good in the first place. And from that, like a good seed will grow into a good tree and all that. So thank you very much. Right, right. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think it's, it's more than just doing the foundations before. What's hard nowadays is you have to do them together, mm. right? Like you, you can't, you can't give people the reason of like, oh, that's why we, we can't go into these projects yet is because we haven't fixed like your, your pay or your compensation. Like I think nowadays the expectation is just so much higher for companies to be able to really try to look at the environment they're in and do a lot of these things all at the same time. So that's where people like me can come in to, to help with that. Like, how do you figure out this whole complex system while still doing your foundations right and innovating where you can? So yeah, very complex, but that makes it exciting. Thank you so much, Ms. Corpus. Uh, can I ask naman po, Ms. to Ms. Pentis, the same question, like, what do you do in your field of work? And do you follow a specific day-to-day routine? Yeah. Um, so for me, unlike Elijah, that it feels like there's a lot of different things happening. For me, it's kind of like very routine. Um, so I see clients pretty much the whole day for therapy. Um, some other psychologists that are in the field would probably do other things. Like some people teach in university. Some people would also um, do research. But for me, because I really love therapy, that's what I do or spend most of my time on. So it's pretty much routine, like maybe let's say nine to eight or nine to five i just see clients every hour of the day one by one individually sometimes i have family sessions sometimes i have couple sessions and when i was hearing elijah talking about diagnosis and intervention it felt kind of interesting because she does that i think in a systemic you know organizational level although she works with um individuals as well for me i feel like there's also a little bit of that like the diagnosis the intervention but more with the mental health or more with i guess yeah the emotions the thoughts, the behaviors um, of an individual, and I guess the near systems that um, they're in. So mostly it's that, like one hour of meeting different clients. So it gets colorful and varied because of the different clients that I meet. So in a day, you know, I could be seeing someone with various um cases various you know different experiences so that would also you hear a lot of stories within um the day and it's also you know very fulfilling to be able to be part of their lives and be able to help them out in terms of you know what their challenges are what their problems are and then being able to also help them you know seek better um mental health now on the side i also sometimes do a few talks just as part of you know just destigmatizing mental health as well so i do talk mostly to religious groups churches just to 
also introduce them to mental health, how to deal with that, especially since that's not always talked about. And then sometimes also in hospital settings, a few um, academic and also a few corporate settings, I also do some occasional talks just to be able to um, advocate and keep spreading the word about um, mental health. So it mostly revolves around um, that i also do i guess some days you know there's admin work emails research things like that so um that also fills my day in between but yeah that's what my day um tends to look like i guess one question that i do have is how do you introduce discussions about mental health in spaces where it may not be encouraged as much or discussed as much because one of the things that i appreciate about joining psych Sock is that it's a safe space to talk about topics related to mental health but that's probably because we are in a circle that places importance on the concept and the same doesn't hold true for every circle. So my question is, how do you go about introducing the topic of mental health in your talks? Right, right. I think like similar with Elijah, I feel like like concepts that she teaches also are not always that um, talked about, although she teaches with uh, the foundational things, like for example, cultural leadership. I think she also gets to introduce that. So in my end, in terms of mental health, I think gladly it's becoming more of a topic right that gets talked about but there's really still spaces that uh don't get to always like acknowledge it talk about it or even in the extreme right like invalidate it dismiss it um as something that does exist so i think one is really just seeing where they're at and a lot of times what i've noticed it, it really just comes from a place of not really knowing just yet so we come from a place of you know like seeing where they're at maybe introducing them to the topic at educating um educating i guess them about just basics right like what mental health is how important it is sometimes there's also a lot of misconceptions that we try to um you know demystify to them so for example sometimes they feel like it's just about mental disorders when it could just be everyone's you know concern to just take care of one's mental health so things like that we kind of try to build it up and then we also tell them these are things that you should do what we what you know what you should talk about how you should treat people with mental health issues how you should also take care of your own mental health and i feel like even though it's not always talked about it's inevitable that they've witnessed seen or experienced some sort of mental health issue within themselves especially during the pandemic or they've probably heard of someone so even though they don't always know everything about it they've probably acknowledged some sort of mental health issue mental disorder in their own circles so we get to introduce to them you know this is what a what's what's what it's about we're gonna lay it out um to them and you know a lot of times surprisingly a lot of them are, tend to be very receptive to it so mostly it's coming from a place of not knowing so we just really educate them um Similar to Elijah, with the foundations, with the basics. Um, and then we go from there. So, yeah. I see, I see. Actually, I realized during the pandemic how negatively mental health was affected, mine included. But at the same time, that opened the horizon to towards openness, towards having mental health checkups. Whether that be with a professional or just with friends and family checking up on one another. And I think it's really healthy to be able to live in a culture where we're able to ask genuinely how one another is and not wait until rock bottom or for something big to happen before we choose to act. Just as we have to take care of our physical health, we also have to monitor and take care of our mental health. And with that, I'd like to ask, 
out of all the fulfilling things that you do in your respective careers, what do you enjoy the most? So what I enjoy the most is whenever you put an intervention together, whether it's like a workshop or a new project, it's like putting the pieces of a puzzle together, which can be really exciting. Um, part of it is everything has to be based on data. So having that good research foundation from UP Psych is like, it's such a game changer. I don't get scared of the numbers or I'm able to provide statistical analysis for the interventions that I suggest. So that one I think is one of the fun things. And then once you have those insights, putting it all together and thinking about ways that will make the intervention as engaging as possible, something that people will really want to participate in and something that they will see the benefit of doing that intervention. So for me, it's putting those pieces of the puzzle together, trying to think about what impact will this make and how will people receive this intervention? That's really the most fun. So it's part experimentation, but also everything based on data. So it's not just random things that you're making people do. That's so cool. Your job sounds so constantly engaged. There have to be a lot of factors that you deal with on the daily. And it has to be so fun because mini mix with my experimentation and data. And would you say that your interventions tend to be personalized like you have to understand a particular context of that intervention or the people you're talking to in order to best communicate what you want to say yeah so just like what aliana said earlier right we actually have very similar fields if you think about it i guess so um, a lot of times in my field of organizational development we sometimes say we're like doctors but doctors for organizations and the organization is kind of like the human body with different organs different parts different systems etc so yeah very much when when i do different solutions or interventions it has to be targeted to the specific company i i don't do out of the box offerings or interventions it's always something that has to start with where is the organization at where are the people at and how can I work with them best to be able to get them to where they want to go? So very much like Aliana's, but think about it as the organization is the person. I love that. Like the doctor of the organization and with how essential work is or how big a part it is of people's lives, it might as well be treated as an extended part of ourselves or really a big part of us. So by improving the workplace conditions, that actually affects so much already of a person's well-being, in my opinion. So I'd like to ask the same question to Mix Quintus. What do you enjoy most about your line of work? Um, so I think, I mean, it's very refreshing to hear like people are working on the systems, right? Like Elijah does, because then with my field, usually they have stresses, they have struggles, they have challenges with work, with system, right? So when there's people like Elijah working on that, it kind of helps also for the kind of work that I do with the individuals. I think what's most fulfilling is really just being part of um, lives of people. So of course, it's um, always good to see like the outcomes, for example, if someone with 
with mood issues like depression, anxiety is able to, you know, do these things um, that they used to not be able to do before, right? So um, from the smallest things to the big things, I feel like it's always good to be able to see those improvements. But more than just the outcomes, I feel like it's the process of getting there that's also kind of fun. It's like being with a person, right, in their journey, hearing all of these stories. And it's always fun to hear because a lot of the clients I work with, I've worked with them for quite a long time. So for example, if they struggled with college and you see them graduating, you know, you kind of feel like you're part of um, their wins, their celebrations too. If you see someone, oh, they have a baby or they have a, uh, they finally marry their their partner after having relational issues. So it's just very interesting to kind of be part of those lives, see what happens um, with them and not just the outcome, but again, as I mentioned, the process of um, being there. And of course, being able to apply some of the things too that I've learned. So, you know, in grad school, in college, you would hear about, okay, these are the disorders, these are the interventions. So they were all very theoretical, but seeing them actually work in practice is actually, you know, a very fulfilling and very um, interesting thing to also um, witness. And it's always a constant learning experience, I think. So that makes it um, not boring and also very fulfilling all at once. Thank you so much for sharing that. Personally, I also want to pursue a career in mental health. And when I tell people belonging to older generations about this, sometimes the traditional mindset seeps in and there are questions like, okay, like, so you want to be a therapist or a psychologist. So you want to fix people, right? You want to treat mentally ill people. And for me, it's such an oversimplification of what therapy is. It kind of removed what separates medical approaches in physiological health and mental health because a big part of therapy for me, aside from the medical intervention, is like the deep connecting humanity. It's the entire process of being there, of connecting, and of talking. Aside from this, though, I would really like to ask, are there any particular challenges that you both encountered in your respective lines of work? Like what you said, right? Um, a lot of people have, just to kind of bounce off what you were saying, a lot of people have misconceptions that it's about like fixing uh, problems. So the reality is we never really get to fix a lot of the problems. So it's really about the conversation, the space that you offer them, the options that you give them. So a lot of it's actually very disappointing to see, especially, I guess, for earlier um, psychologists or therapists. The reality is we're not there to, like, save them, rescue them, you know, help them fix all their problems, that we're just there to guide them. So I think that's something um, just to kind of comment on what you were saying, that like what you said, you're right. It's a lot more than just like, OK, this is the problem. This is the solution. We're there, you know, it's guides walking with them, giving them all of these things, alternatives that they can um, do in terms of challenges, though. I think um, one big part of it was the pandemic, actually, like it presented with a lot of adjustments for our field because we're used to face to face um, looking at so, you know, cues, uh, facial expressions, and a lot of us aren't that tech savvy um, in the field. So we had to transform our usual ways of doing therapy to online. So it was really kind of an adjustment um, to do that. But then eventually it worked out. And now a lot of people are very comfortable with it. But also because of that, because it became accessible, I think the demand for it also increased, which is also a problem I think that we are facing. So like, for example, before when it was starting, I feel like I only had like two to three clients um, in a day. Now it's like seven to eight already, like regular. So it's really, and we have wait lists. So like, it's very sad for us to not be able to accommodate everyone um, that has a need 
need, but then the demand is so high and then the supply of therapists just aren't a lot. So I think more than just like me and my day-to-day challenge, I feel like the field itself may be seeing shifts, not just in how we do therapy, but there's also like a lot of systemic things that we're dealing with, especially because we're kind of in the aftermath of the pandemic. So a lot of kids, we're seeing the impact now of what happened to them, a lot of the teens also and adults. So and there's not a lot of psychologists, so we do need a lot more um, psychologists. So it's really that a lot of like the pandemic, the systemic issues that we have to deal with. I think that's what we're faced with uh, the most that gets really challenging. And I think for one, because I am similar to Elijah, I went to the States to study there. So it was a bit of an adjustment personally for me, because then when it was there, they have, I guess, a little bit more different systems um, in terms of dealing with mental health. Here, a lot of the responsibility tends to be on the psychologist from like the emergencies to like bringing them to hospital. So a lot of the weight goes to us. So it was just a bit of an adjustment trying to also see my role as a psychologist in here versus what I was also um, originally trained. But, you know, that challenge also is something that makes you learn eventually. So we can just see it as that. But yeah, there are just a bunch of different adjustments, systemic problems, specifically uh, pandemic related also that um, I had to deal with and a lot of people in our field also had to um, deal with. So yeah. How about you, Mix Corpus? Um, what challenges do you face in your field and how do you try to overcome them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I hear a lot of similarities actually uh, with Alianas because I think just like how you can never be sure that you can quote-unquote fix a person, right? Like what Eliana said, when it comes to organizations, it's not an exact science. So if you put an intervention out, for example, like you're not sure that it will give you the effects that you want. And also changing organizations can take a lot of years. Uh, Culture work, most of the time, you don't see results maybe until like, five years or more if the organization really pushes for it. So it, it could be frustrating to not really immediately see the positive outcomes of the things that you're doing. So it's kind of hard to get cues in that sense of how well you're doing your job. But again, like it's you have to just see that it's the process that counts more than the exact outcome or result that you're looking for. And then I guess number two is... Uh, same as with mental health and having to go against traditional views, right? Like, I think when it comes to leadership and to work, there are still so many traditional beliefs that don't really apply anymore in the kind of world that we live in, in the kind of behaviors and attitudes that people want to see at present. So a lot of my work and the challenges when it comes to my work is bumping up against those traditional points of view, you try to influence as much as you can, but also at the same time, being a good consultant or even therapist, I'm sure, is knowing when you have to take a step back and when little incremental steps will work better because you cannot really push a person or an organization to shift 360 or even 180 degrees in uh, in a snap, right? So maybe from a field perspective, those are the challenges. For me personally, like what Eliana mentioned, we both actually studied in the States and worked in the States as well, then came back here. 
almost the same time. I think Aliana was just ahead by like a month or two months or something like that. But we came back almost the same time. And for both of us, our, our journey was really trying to start up. Now, how do we bring the things that we learned over there to here? How do you become part of the field when you were stuck in another context for for quite a while? So for me, it was more of that. Um, honestly, it was a little bit frustrating in the beginning because one of the things I like to do is I work with people who I want to be like when I grow up. I, I want to see that they're aligned with the values I believe in. They behave in ways that I'd want to aspire towards in the future. Um, in my field in consulting, there are still a lot of like traditional ways that consultants do their their work. Um, some of those I, I don't like or I don't agree with. So it took a while for me to find my footing um, until I decided to just, you know, do my own thing. Let's try this out. And I, I started my own company. So uh, pretty much also in that journey of figuring out your own path and how you can cultivate your, your own values in the work that you do. Thank you so much to both of you for sharing that. And I would like to take the short moment to just reassure and commend you. Now, while you don't really see instant results all the time, or if the results of your efforts are not always as immediately tangible, really, just by improving the process, you are already improving the end result. Because what's life if not a continuous process? So thank you so much for doing what you do. And since you both mentioned that you studied in the States, can I just ask one thing? Like, did the two of you, like, talk about doing this? Or did it just happen <laughs> at the same time? Huh. Um, well, I mean, we've, we've been friends, right? Like, we, we went to the yeah. same org and we've been, we've been trying to be group mates for a lot of our projects. So right. I, I think for both of us, we kind of knew that we would study masters at some point. We just didn't coordinate when. Um, we were lucky because actually Eliana and I, for there was one summer when we presented our research paper right. in Stanford. So we were, I think we were the first, right, Eliana? Like the first yeah, yeah, batch or team of people who were able to do that. So it was just me and Aliana. We went to the States one summer and like it was so beautiful. It was so nice being part of that kind of like research environment. And I think we both just fell in love with the idea of studying abroad. Yeah. I agree. Okay, yeah, I agree. So, um, and we also got to meet Albert Bandura when we were there. Oh so we God. kind of saw that as a sign. He was still alive when he was, you know, when we saw him there. So we were like, oh, okay, this is very inspiring. Just the research um, community being surrounded by that. So we didn't really, we were, I mean, the typical paths for psychology at our time were like medicine mm. and law. So at least for me, I tried to consider medicine. But yeah, it was really psychology that I fell in love with in college. So I think I, Elijah went first. So she was there already. Um, studying masters and then I think I took a year to like figure my life out and then eventually um, I also went there so yeah we didn't really talk about it but it, it was kind of brought up that you know we want to we want to do this eventually so yeah in a way it's like it's something that was bound to happen and it just happened mm -hmm. and we can ask like how did that affect your 
I guess, your worldview or how did it affect the way you approach your field now? Because one reason I actually want to try uh, at least either studying abroad or living abroad for quite some time is to widen the context which in which I operate in. I guess by seeing the world in a different way than what is uh, familiar to me, hopefully I can see, I guess, everything in a broader way or at least in a more thoughtful sense. So can I ask if your study in the States like significantly affected how you approach your current professions? Yeah, definitely, for sure. I think if you have the opportunity to go abroad, whether it's to study or to work or maybe just to live for a while, go for it. If you see how things are in other countries compared to the Philippines, it's not about saying what's better or what's worse, right? It's really just about seeing what's different, what can I take from that context that would also enhance things in whatever current context you're already seeing. So I I definitely think you should do that. Um, Beyond studying, so Aliana and I also worked abroad. And I think if you have that opportunity, go for it. Because like studying is is good, but working and experiencing that is very different. Because then you also get a feel of how things are professionally done in your field in a different country, in a different context. So, yeah, study and work as much as you can if you see that opportunity. I, so, yeah, I agree with Elijah that it does become a bit of an eye-opening experience. And I think specifically, well, I, I think it's the same for Elijah. Like, um, with my personal experience as well, there was really a lot of, like, experience-based. So, for example, like, um, I there was a lot of exposure to different cases. So just really being to take all of that experience, all of that lesson in was very um, much helpful. And of course, like being able to contextualize it here was a bit of a different story, a different challenge. But then it's just good to be able to see what we can take from that um, experience. And beyond just like the actual knowledge, skills and learnings, I feel like Um, Well, I think for me, at least, it was a bit of a confidence building um, experience as well. So like the actual skills to be able to be more confident, for example, in speaking, uh, something as simple as that, right? Like speaking up a bit more, being more confident, asserting yourself, like those somehow were also instilled in me because of being put in a different um, environment. And you can take that um, with you in here as well. And honestly, you kind of come back with a little bit of a a love-hate relationship with the country as well. Like you see the things that could be improved and then you also see the things that are working uh, in here so you can kind of see where to you know eventually put your um, self in how you know you can fit in this in this space specifically so yeah yeah if I can just add really quickly I think it's also a great credibility builder like more than just confidence what's what's great is if you have those experiences from somewhere else it helps you to to kind of build credibility in a way where you can say like look i i can evaluate what will work or not because i've seen a broader context than maybe what the philippines is offering so i I think definitely that's good but yeah personally i think aliana and i have had these conversations upon coming back to the philippines you'll struggle for a bit first to find your space and even make your space but at least for me what i found is I have a a stronger conviction that 
I wanted to work here in the Philippines and share what I learned abroad in the Philippines because then you're I don't know when I was abroad I felt like I was just working and living for myself you know and then coming back here this is where you really can see that life is so different for a lot of the people that I work with or a lot of my clients so you can kind of just get a sense of how the things that you learned over there can really help with different initiatives back home here so having that comparison can maybe give you a stronger sense of why you came back home in the first place when you were there in the states did anything strike you in particular like oh i kind of want to apply this in the philippines when i get back or this is something that really works and i want to approach whatever i'm doing right now with the same mindset or system what is one thing or one lesson that you were intent on bringing back here to the country So I I actually worked in Microsoft in their headquarters so I lived in Seattle for a bit I was part of their global learning and development team So one of the things I really loved about my time in Microsoft was their focus on culture The CEO at the time Satya Nadella he was new and he would always say that if there's anything people would remember him by it's that he was the culture CEO he was the CEO that cultivated empathy and inclusion and learning into the company. So for me seeing like this huge tech company do something like that was such an eye-opening experience because I think when you're in the Philippines far away from the headquarters of the big companies you're tempted to think that oh purpose is just like a fluffy thing companies talk about or when companies talk about culture or well-being eh, maybe they're not they don't really mean what they say but being part of that part of those conversations and projects in Microsoft i really saw that it was possible it's possible for companies to have that much focus on these very important things that are not really as easy to to talk about and so when i came back home to the philippines i knew that I wanted to show people that it is possible it is happening in other companies in the world and if you if you put in the effort and the resources we could also make it happen here in the companies that we have in the country Basically it's like a reminder that it's not a pipe dream it's something that actually happens somewhere and it's something that we can apply here Mhm yeah I think it's also for me when I was in the US it was the time when people my age were going to work right like people were trying out like their adulting professional lives for the first time and there was a lot of disappointment almost to the point of disillusionment i think and from a more individual perspective i guess i wanted people to see that it is possible to have work that you'll enjoy work that you find meaning in work that you find purpose in and you know we we got to work together to, to make that happen thank you so much how about for you mixeliana so for me i think it was a little bit 
um, different in a way because then I I didn't really have like a lot of exposure to the mental health field here. Maybe because there also just wasn't a lot. It was either I wasn't exposed to it or there just wasn't a lot of facilities, for example, as much as there is or, or there are now. There also wasn't a lot of, I guess, just like talks, conversations. So it was a little bit more quiet, just the conversation um, of mental health here. So it was a little hard to see what to be able to bring in, how to compare what's already existing. So I guess it's just that, just like the openness itself to the conversations about mental health. I specifically work in different places. Um, for example, I work with groups, uh, group therapy. I work in a substance abuse rehab. I also work in like a hospital. Um, so in those settings, you could see, okay, help is accessible here. So maybe even though it's a bit of a systemic issue that I'm not going to be able to solve in here, you know, just being able to see, okay, this exists. Kind of like what Elijah is saying, you know, that there are these things that exist in other places. And it would be nice to also see some sort of version of that in our own country, right? So being able to just openly talk about mental health, having clear systems that when you have a problem, you just go to this hospital, you just get assessed and you get assigned to a therapist. So something as normal as like going to, I guess, a doctor's uh, nor uh, a body doctor here. Hopefully that was something that I was also wanting um, to see in here. And I think because part of the program itself before working was actually being in grad school. So that was something I was a bit more familiar with, wherein something that I was hoping to see in the Philippines was the, the actual education part of things, like the practice, because um, it was very practical, experience-based there. So not a lot of, like, for example, memorizing. I remember because in college, one of my frustrations was, like, having to memorize a lot of, like, science concepts. So I really enjoyed, like, just being able, like, to dive right in, do therapy, you know, do all of these role plays while you're doing therapy. So it was very practical, and I kind of liked being able to see that. So instead of just like book knowledge, being able to practice the skills, apply it, gain so much experience, I think that was something that I kind of hope to see in our programs um, here. And I think on top of that is the support of the academe. So I really experience a lot of um, support, for example, with research, with the things that you wanted to do while we were I was in the program. And I think sometimes that's what's um, lacking in here or missing in here, just like, for example, people for one. So of course, with less people, there's also a bit more difficult um, support in terms of actually being a therapist, being a psychologist, which is so much needed so much you know needed right now so I guess just from the program itself the education the support being able to be more practical based and then in, in the actual practice having that accessible help that openness to talking about mental health was something that I experienced there and I guess when I came home that's what I realized that okay these are things that might be um, good to see in here as well thank you so much it's good to observe what's different and to wish for change after seeing the things that could be. But it's always even better to remember that the first step starts with us. So I would like to commend you both for seeing these things that were good in other contexts, in other places, and for trying to bring them back home here, trying to apply it to the local contexts. Uh, ayun, thank you lang. And next though, let's talk about the main reason why we are even talking here. And that is, drumroll, psych sock. So before your present lines of work, before you studied abroad, you were college students here in UP Diliman, members of PsychSoc. And I just like to take this time to talk about your memorable experiences that have really stuck with you up until now. 
could be something to do with the org itself. Or it could be something about a project or anything of that nature. Or it can also just be any silly, goofy, funny story or anything a note that you really remember when you think of your days in PsychSoc. Maybe two things come to mind for me. Um, first, so actually, Aliana and I were Exicom the same year. I was inter. Aliana was, at the time, they called it ACAD. I think you call it oh. um, something else nowadays. So um, I was inter internal affairs head. And it's not a specific project, but I guess one of the things that I really learned from that is creating an experience for people is so important. So, of course, in Inter, we do fun events to get everyone bonded. Um, that's something I still took with me. So, when I went to grad school, I was actually kind of the Inter head there. And the parties were bar crawls. So, like, these are things that I, I loved doing. But the principle b behind those activities is really create an experience for people to feel a sense of community. And for me, that stuck with me from PsychSoft even until like the work that I do now. And then the other thing that I love is um, I was, we called it ad hoc back then, but it's really like ANIV week. So I was ANIV team for my second year of, of PsychSoft. And that was the year where we really decided to step things up. Like everything themed, um, we chose like a 1940s World War II era theme. So everything was, everything tied together. Um, oh, wow. I really made sure that every single event, you could see the thread of the theme going from the first to the last thing that we will do. Everything had to be cohesive, like posters, publicity materials, messaging, etc. And that was really a lesson on how important it is to integrate and align all of the things that you're doing. So, of course, like that was so much fun to influence programs in that way. And yeah, other than that, we just really had so much fun in PsychSoft. Uh, we had the best time and especially when we would just like hang out and go out and like lots of stories about that, that until now, these are the stories we tell each other when we see each other. So many, many things that I'm not sure we can even talk about everything. <laughs> That's so cool. Like, parang applicable pa talaga yung experience in PsychSoc to your line of work now. And it's so interesting to see that it goes way back to your college years. Because Internga is really like that. It affects the experience of being a Pops. Like, you're in charge of how everyone interacts and how it feels like being in the organization. So that's so cool that your line of work now is really still, I guess, aligned with that. So may I ask, Mix Aliana naman po, uh, the same question. Uh, what, what's something memorable from PsychSoc or some takeaways lessons that you kind of remember until now or apply in your life, I guess? Yeah, I think for me, I because as Elijah mentioned, we were both Exacom in the 60th year, Payata, right? The the 60th year, so it was kind of like a bit of a it was a big deal, I guess, in a way, because it was a bit of a you know important year. So we were kind of um, you know doing a lot of different projects. So since she was busy doing that, I was just at the receiving end of enjoying all of those like the theme days that she had um, as ACAD chair. So I was um, ACAD chair at that time. We were trying to make the organization a little bit more academic in nature. So I'm 
actually i'm really impressed by what you're doing now because i feel like you were able to do the things that we could just dream of before like psych conferences all of those things right so back then what was pretty memorable in terms of a project i think was the lecture series that we did it was also one of the more stressful um events that we did but we were trying to do a talk each month wherein we had um a bit of a quote-unquote celebrity guest or like someone relatively famous in their field and then we also had like a psych professor talk about it so for example, one time we talked about the psychology, for example, of a perception. So we had a perception psych professor and then a wedding photographer um, talk about those things. So we kind of tried to do those things. So we also had, for example, um, psychology of love. And then we had like radio DJs talk about that. And then um, a professor talk about psychology. So in a way, like we were trying to, I think it's not as aligned as Elijah's in terms of what she did back then and then now. But then I think what helped me was being able to promote, I think my goal back then was really to promote psychology, to make it something that relates to different fields, different courses. So now in a different vein, I guess I'm trying to also, you know, advocate, promote, push um, mental health in a way. Um, to spaces where it's not always um, as known. So just being able to do that. It's kind of interesting because back then I would always be kind of shy introducing the speaker, but now I also take my place in being the speaker now. So it's kind of like interesting, um, like full circle in terms of my involvement with talks. I feel like because I was also exposed to a lot of talks like, you know, lectures back then. I feel like that helps me also with my own um, planning of lectures, talks, or just interacting with um, clients in general. You ask them about... Um, skills as well and just to maybe add on to that i feel like a lot of things i also learned in psych soc were things that i would not have learned in college like for example something as simple as like you know managing the money of the committee or like planning all of those like admin related things i feel like that helps a lot um in terms of like day-to-day -day just like life and being an adult or like being you know work uh, working right now so yeah just like life skills practical skills and also um just a lot of fun memories that you're also um carrying with you from from that time so yeah a lot of good things yeah and eliana's being modest but she would always have full room wow. capacity in the talks so i think she was really one of the ones that made like psychology mental slash mental health uh, like it was a, a speaker though because we really tried topic. to find important speakers yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fun, yeah. but you you made it happen <laughs> can i just say that i would have loved to attend those events and super like just hearing about it makes me excited and maybe maybe some bias because i'm actually from akad parin so the committee is still called <laughs> akad and super akad gore ng event because you know our goal is advancing psychology, right? So just hearing about it really makes me feel the secondhand excitement of just you reminiscing those I know, memories. So I guess you already mentioned, uh, you were already able to mention, I guess, the specific projects that you helped plan and implement. So can I ask if there are still a few more you would like to mention? Or should we move on already to uh, fun memories na not necessarily related to work that you would like to talk about? If, if you want to talk about it, if you can talk about them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any specific projects coming to mind. 
do you have any? I think I don't know I, well for we had storytelling I don't know if you still that was one of my favorite um, projects that we did because with Akad before where we would um, like give like we would meet like <laughs> there would be children that would, we would go to weekly and give like stories oh, yeah. to yeah Is this Brookside yeah yeah and also a different but a different communities then parang mm-hmm. we would just you know go there like do storytelling with them I remember because as a bops that was one of my favorite um activities and then I think we also did camp yata before I don't know if you still do it now but basically we would also tutor aspiring people that wanted to go to UP like top of their Uh, programs, but we did that in partnership with other orgs. So we would tutor them to prepare them for the um, OPCAT. So just a lot of like um, pushing like academic help or like literacy, things like that. Um, and I feel like, I don't know if there's specific memories, but you know, the SEM planning with Exacom would always be kind of fun. Just random going to the Tambayan, I think. I don't have any specific ones right now, <laughs> but you know, just Tambayan moments. And if, like, ad hoc weeks would always be mm-hmm. Um, quite exciting. Even GAs, like the assemblies that we do, would also get quite fun. So yeah, I know Elijah did a lot of work with the birthday GAs. They would always be very, you know, celebratory when we would do that. So yeah, a lot of fun memories. Uh, no specific ones. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, we always made a big deal whenever we have to do presentations, especially ones that like are more public facing. So what what do I mean? So like for example. If we have to uh, do freshman orientation and the orgs can can perform, right? Usually there's an org performance or you have like five minutes to introduce your org to encourage people to join. So public facing events like that where we need to present ourselves, we always made a big deal about it Um, I because I love like singing, dancing. So I would always create like these performances para ours was the most bonga one because that was really what I wanted like I want people to see that there's so much energy in the org and it's not just about like we have fun we get a lot of things done so my I guess my favorite one was we did freshman orientation once and we all had like I think it was hairspray right like it was a song and dance number on hairspray it was a hairspray song And then we had a mascot, like we called that mascot Saksok Man. So it was just like a person with uh, the Saksok logo um, as like a headpiece. So things like that, I think, were super fun, but also important because we wanted to elevate the elevate the status, quote unquote. But really what we mean by that is we wanted people to be more aware of Saksok and what Saksok does. So I think little things like that that we did really it, it helped to to show people that we're we're an org that does a lot of things and not just a lot of things but a lot of impactful things. So yeah, maybe projects wise, that's another thing I love. Memories wise, I would say, uh, so the tambayan and just sitting there, th- those are always fun. But also, uh, what what I love is after every party, you know, when everyone's had a little bit too much fun and just like hanging out outside the venue, wink, wink, like, you know what I mean? When people are already kind of uh, not walking straight or talking straight. <laughs> what I love, this is where you can see that everyone really loves each other because we don't leave people behind. Like, people take care of each other and it's 
it's all just like this sense of community where you feel safe with the people around you. So for me, that's like such a special thing to have, knowing that these are people you can have so much fun with. And also at the end of the day, you can be your worst with them or your best with them. And they're not going to leave you because we're all in this together. So maybe it's that feeling of safety that made it really special. Hearing all of this just makes me think about what you mentioned earlier about the core of the org remaining the same. Parang it transcends time because just hearing about it, even though I wasn't there, makes me think, oh yeah, that does sound like the psych sock I know. And I'm glad the culture remains the same in that sense. And that also brings to mind, I don't know if there's a better term for this, like the work hard, play hard culture that we have. We make sure to work hard on all these meaningful projects, but at the same time, you always know how to actively make space for fun. And, you know, just enjoying one another's company, even if dun lang tambayan, like in the nook. I'll go off on a f- bit of a tangent, though, because this is something that I forgot to mention earlier. Actually, we just concluded Anib 70. And it's so cool that this podcast recording coincides with our 17th anniversary celebration. And now here we are having the opportunity to talk to Vops, who happen to be key figures of Anib 60. And it honestly just feels unreal. So and it ages us. No, no, no! Don't feel that <laughs> way. Don't feel that way. Some part of me, while listening to your stories, was like, "Man, I wish I were a child genius." So just so I could have been accelerated to college and have experienced these stories and events firsthand. And that's a testament to how good your events must have been. Because if I'm just hearing about them and I'm feel this hyped already, uh, they must have been the bomb. Like even better in person. So I'm honestly just grateful for the memories of Psych Sock Project, which. Gave me the opportunity to converse with you two, pops to vops. Actually, though, last thing that really that's a memorable experiences is, did you encounter any challenges during your stay in the org, and if so, could you share how you overcame them? Especially seeing as you two were chairs of your respective committees. Um, for me, I think, um, well, there was the whole within the org and then like just the outside org situation as well. Because as you mentioned, there's really a culture of like competence, excellence work that PsychSoc tries to, you know, uphold. So with that, right, comes also a lot of like hard work, a lot of, you know, effort that needs to be um, inputted. Although I think a lot of people were passionate naman at that time and they share the same um, values. It would also, of course, just, you know, be tiring also. It would be hard, like, for example, when I was talking about the lecture series, that would always be very stressful. And I don't know if my members were really kind of like annoyed at me with with all of the things that we were trying to achieve at that time. No, but they enjoyed it, too. But yeah, because um, it was just a lot of pressure, right, to just perform, to show up. It was a lot of pressure, but it was also fulfilling at the end. But I guess just the process before that was not always the prettiest, right? We would always contact people. We would try to arrange certain things. So just the work itself um, would probably be some of the more general challenges and then of course we were we're also students even though you know org uh, takes up a lot of our time so just being able to also balance that because I feel like we we were both exocom in the third year and that was the time I was having biology and then para in the second semester payata I ran yeah that was the time I ran for student council so just kind of 
as a person balancing all of those things while still trying to produce you know competent work excellent work it helps though to be able to have such a good team a good group of members that were like passionate that would you know be there for you just like a family that would always root for you always do things also um in line with what we were wanting to achieve so yeah it was always good to have that but yeah of course there were always just the difficulties and challenges of being a student also and then trying to also perform uh, excellent work in what we were trying to do yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so for me it's i guess like part of it is when you try to change things of course there are traditions that you will bump into that will make it hard to, to make those changes. As we all know, in Sexoc, we have strong relationships with our VOPs, like with people who have graduated, right? And um, during our time when we were in Exicom, we really felt like there were some practices that uh, we don't agree with anymore or like some practices that we felt strongly that we wanted to change so we can create the culture that we want to see. Um, so for example, being being um mata, right, in interviews, because you know how like in, in, in we have psych sock interviews, right? And traditionally some some people would think now this is the time to really grill people and make it hard for them. But honestly, yeah. like my point of view is interviews are not for that. Like interviews are just to get to know the person and what is your experience like? What do you want to contribute to the organization? But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Like, honestly, even in jobs, interviews, they're not like the, they're not really the best way to to show how a person will be competent in the job. Like, it's really more, what do they do in their projects? Like, if you give them a test, a test project, how will they run with it? Like, these are the kinds of things that mattered more. And I think, we wanted to emphasize that when we made some changes in, you know, in the onboarding recruitment aspect of, of the organization. Um, so for a while, it was kind of challenging managing the expectations of like VOPs who still wanted to do things in the more traditional way. Because um, also you see where they're coming from, right? Like that's what mm, they yeah, got yeah. used It worked for a really, really long time. And so they expected that it would still be working. Um, so yeah, for me, it's really just balancing that, like knowing what to change and being ready to to kind of convince people about why that change is important. But at the same time, making sure that you're still keeping the core of what's important to, to the organization, even if you're innovating on, on different aspects. Um, so yeah, maybe that's just the, the challenge for me. But at the end of the day, everyone's really fun about it like we know that organization life is something you don't want to take too seriously like yes it's a good practice for the future but at the end of the day it's the community that you want to build so it if you go back to that core it it becomes easy because everyone just really wants psych to be a welcoming place for for different students in college yeah yeah i do agree with everything that you said and I think it's a normal experience to have a lot of stuff on your plate in uni. As mentioned earlier by Mixalia, and especially if you have a lot of org work, I mean, you like the work, but mixed with the academics, it can be a lot sometimes. But I like how our culture exists in such a way that we know that we can rely on the people that we work with. So you can do this large task together. It doesn't seem impossible. 
And because you like each other's company, it's like, it's a nice thing that you do together. You accept what is accept- expected of you. And you accept the responsibility of doing it competently. It can be daunting, but it's nice to know that you can rely on the people you're with. And at the same time, as for Mix Elijah, I also heard stories because when I was a BOPS, or to our listeners, an applicant to the org, basically, when I was a BOPS last semester, I talked to the current MEMS, and a lot of them said, like, they did mention stuff that has changed over the years, like some practices and cultural facets that newer members didn't want to keep. They tried to change the culture in some sense. And I do think it's a good thing when an organization is able to see things clearly and not fall into the trap of tunnel visioning and blindly following tradition without assessing first if it's working for the current context. Because one of our core values is dynamic legacy, right? And it's nice to see that dynamism in action. Where we can adapt and be accepting of changes that we see might be needed in order to best serve our ultimate long-term mission, I guess. I think what matters in the end is that the core is there. Like we keep the things, the most essential things that make us who we are. And so long as we have that, the adjustments that we make through time that helps steer us towards a certain direction will be built on good faith. I think we've been doing a pretty good job as an org. So there's a lot of stuff in this episode that the listeners can take as lessons already. But if you had to talk about what you see as your most key takeaways from your experiences in PsychSoc, what would you like to share with the audience? I, I can go. Um, two okay. things. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so two things for me. Um, number one, try to use PsychSoc as a platform to, to experiment on the things you want to do in the future. Uh, for example, if you feel like you want to try out... Um, managing an event or putting on a conference like PsychSoc or any org in general is such a good space to try it out with you know not as huge like consequence as you will if you're already like at work and trying to figure it out so um really take that opportunity experiment on the things that you're interested in so you can get a feel of whether you like it or not and then number two um, really, PsychSoc or college life in general is a time to, to get the friends that you can keep until after college. I think it's so important to have that core of people that you trust, that you can talk to, that you feel safe with, because it gets even harder to find friends after college. Or if you're lucky enough to go to grad school, then good, because school experiences i think help but beyond that it gets even harder to find friends so college is really the time to figure out your people and have those experiences with them that you can take with you many many years after to keep you bonded and you can look back at them recalling how how life was like before and how you supported each other through all of that so yeah two things for me I was just going to bounce off what um, Elijah was saying, wherein I feel like, well, what stands out from what she's saying for me is the experience and skill part. So in terms of lessons learned, as mentioned, like it's really a great place to learn things outside of what you normally learn 
I think, in college. So, like, honestly, I feel like a lot of the growth that happened in college was because of Psychsoft. Part of it was also the ACADS part. But, yeah, because you really get to, you know, build community, experience things that would also prepare you for the future. Um, you know, you get to explore things as well. So, for example, for me personally, that's where my love for psychology really got to deepen. So, I had plans to go to, you know, medicine and all of those things. But then, because you just got to see the impact of psychology, how you know important it is then that really just fortified aside from you know classes itself that fortified my passion for it and i guess speaking of passion also i think the passion part of it is something that i felt like was very present in the psych self experience and it's something that we could still that i learned a lot about that and i still hopefully get to carry with me um to this day so it's like what I guess the what, right? Like psychology as a field, it's linked to so many things. I got to enjoy it a lot more. And then just the skill aspect um, of it as well. The passion, the hard work, the commitment, where that can um, take you. And it was always interesting to see, right? Like how impactful your college project could could go. So para, it also instills that drive or desire to, you know, make a small ripple of change wherever you're in um, because it, it, it happens um, while you're in in Psychsoft. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just a lot of, like, skills, like even talking, making reports, things like that helps a lot. Things that you don't get to learn always in the day-to-day that was uh, helpful to learn through um, organizational activities. I do appreciate the fact that in our org, current batches of POPs can maintain relationships with VOPs through initiatives such as this. Because it's through this that we're able to hear the stories you have. All the insights and all the lessons So before we wrap up our discussion, though, if you could give one or two takeaways, just in general, that you want the audience to remember from this episode, what would they be? For me, it's about, like, use your time in Psych and in college in general to draft your purpose, lightly think through what it is that you want to do, what impact you want to make. And then use your org, whether that's Psychsoc or another org, whatever that may be, use your org to, to practice on that and try to see what you like, what you don't like, and what you can take with you to the future. For me, I think, well, I feel like Elijah already said it. She'd probably say it better than I would. But yeah, um, I guess just taking that experience that you have, like valuing that experience. I guess sometimes a lot of us find a lot of stress in college or want it to end, want to go, you know, step forward into the future. But like college is such a crucial time where we can explore, experiment, learn about ourselves. And a lot of the experiences there really do shape what you want to be, what you can be. So really maximizing the time that you have there, the lessons that you're learning, and I think the community also that you're building there would really help um, a lot. So yeah, enjoy the most that you can, learn a lot, reflect a lot in your experiences, and yeah, it's really going to be crucial um, for your life as well. So hopefully you get to relish in that experience. Okay. I would like to give a big thank you on behalf of PsychSoc and all of our listeners right now because we honestly learned so much from this episode while having fun along the way. Before we go, though, would you like to plug or promote anything that you think the audience should know about? 
Um, yeah, so maybe just for me, we, we do free webinars almost every month on different topics about the workplace. And you could find information on all of that through our Facebook page. It's Elisha Corpus Consulting, E-L-I-Z-H-A, Corpus with an S and then Consulting. So hope we can get connected through there. So for me, um, I guess in terms of, I won't probably promote my practice just yet because we're trying to accommodate um, as much people right now. So maybe in June, I'll have um, openings for new um, people. But in case you want to get in touch with me, okay, for therapy also, and also for um, talks with mental health, feel free to just send me an email. So it's my name, Aliana. Another, we always joke about our difficult spellings, um, A-L-L-E-A. A-L-L-E-A-N-A Fuentes, so F-U-E-N-T-S dot psych is my email at gmail.com. So they can just contact me if they need talks, therapy services, and yeah, we'll just go from there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for making this episode possible. And do make sure to check out Mix Aliana and Elijah's plugs. As for UP Psych Sock, you can check us out and follow us on all of our socials. That is UP Psych Sock on Facebook, at UP Psych Sock on Instagram, and at UPD PsychSock on Twitter. Once again, this has been the third episode of Psych Mike, the official podcast of the UP Psychology Society, and also your student-friendly, Filipino-friendly podcast for anything and everything psych. This was an episode featuring memories of PsychSock, so thank you very, very much to our Vops for giving us your time, insights, and stories. This has been your Pops host, Vince, signing off.